Uh, we're in a series in the book of Hebrews um, that we're calling Jesus is greater because he is. Um, and we're excited to continue on. We're in the uh, end of chapter 10. We're getting towards the end of the book here. Uh, and um, I'm, I'm really thrilled about it. Today's uh, passage reminds me of a moment uh, in our family's life that happened a while ago now, six some years ago. Um, and it's a moment that happened when I was standing in Costco. Here's my cool Photoshop picture of Costco. I remember we had this giant screen now. So it's almost like I'm in Costco. <laughs> like pushing my, <laughs> pushing the cart. Look at this. Isn't that cool? It's like I'm there. It's like we're all at Costco buying our little critters. We're at, we're at Costco and I'm pushing this giant cart and I'm uh, with our youngest who at this point is about three and we have the cart full. It's so high that it's taller than her. Um, and we're walking, pushing, you know, how it works at Costco. All of a sudden, there's just tons of stuff. We're gathering supplies uh, for a party. We're gathering cupcakes and treats and drinks and, and all the fun, right? And probably way more than we need, but we're so excited. There's always new things to add to the pile. And we're waiting in line to check out, and she looks up um, and says, Dad, there's no way we're going to eat all this food. There's no way. I say, oh, that's so sweet. Uh, it's for our party. Yeah, I, I know we're having a party, so we decided as a family to have a, a birthday party. When we officially, uh, our family, we officially adopted our girls, we became a family, and we thought, what do we got to do? Well, you have a birthday party, right, when you become uh, a family. So we're having our birthday party and I had never made it clear or maybe just in a three-year-old uh, mind uh, that there was more people than just the four of us going to the party. So at that point she thought we're just getting piles of food so the four of us can celebrate our birthday, which is awesome. Um, but we had way too much food. So I said, no, no, we're bringing friends. We got to have all these people who love us come over. Some of you in the room today are people who came to our party. We're having all these people to our house. They want to celebrate our family and they love us. Uh, old friends and new friends and people from church and neighbors. And oh, that makes sense. That's why you're gathering all this food. And then we eventually had people over the party. This isn't uh, actually a real photo from that party. This is stock, <laughs> stock footage, if you noticed. It's like, look at this table. There's no way kids would be eating at a table like this. It's all perfectly arranged. Um, because I actually looked up pictures from that party and I couldn't find any pictures that would work. Um, and I was actually encouraged by it because I remember it was such a, a great day that, that we just enjoyed being with each other so much that it was one of those, it was so good that you didn't take pictures. Anyone ever had that experience? You go like, that was just so good to be together. I never even thought to like grab my phone and take a picture so I could tell everyone how awesome it was. Like everyone I want to know is here and we're enjoying it. Um, it was this incredible day. It was this moment where, the, where all the preparations happened. We gathered the cupcakes and we hung up the stuff and we invited people uh, and, we, and we made little party favors. We had everything all in order so that everyone could just come to the party. And today in Hebrews 10, I, I think that's where the author is getting us. He's saying, Jesus has done the work. He, he went to Costco and bought everything he could. <laughs> And he's, he's got the, the, the ribbons hung up and the, and the invitations are out. And you now just get to show up. The, the party's ready and we get to show up. It's the best kind of party, right? You just get to show up. You show up and the girl's already gone and you, they're like, just hang out and eat, eat brats. And you're like, this is the best party there can be, right? And so that's where we're at today. So that's how I want us to think today. The party has been prepared 
The work has been done. You have been given the invitation. And then today, the author of Hebrews is gonna remind us, let's go to the party. And what happens in that? And so we're starting right here in Hebrews 10. If you have a Bible and you like to follow along or take notes, we're in Hebrews 10, 19. Otherwise, all of the scripture will be right up here on the screen. Um, All right, let's get after it. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. This first part of the end of Hebrews 10 here um, is reminding us of three lettuces. I was studying this passage this week with someone and they said, oh, you could probably make this into some cool graphic with the lettuce and the lettuce, like gospel lettuce. I decided not to. I guess I decided to mention it still, even though it's kind of, kind of a lame <laughs> illustration. Um, so you see it at the beginning, it's saying, Brother, brothers and sisters, family, we now have the confidence, we can now enter into the most holy place, into the presence of God because of Jesus, because of his bloodshed, because of his work, because he's this great high priest. If you're interested in what that means, you can look at all of the Hebrews before this, all the book of Hebrews, explaining how this great high priest has brought us into connection with God. He's he's made a way for us to be with God. And so because of the work he's done, because of uh, he's prepared this party for us, he's going to tell us there's kind of three things that we get to do. Let us, in verse 22, we start with our first one. Let us draw near to God. That could be an easy thing to say. Oh yeah, let's draw near to God. Do you think of what that means? It's saying we get to enter into the place and be close to God, our creator, the one who made everything and made you, who knows your heart, who, who knows how to fix all of this. When we're, when we're up late thinking, how is this ever gonna work? What are we supposed to, he's the one who knows those things and we get to enter in to draw near to him. We get to go to the party. We get to gather together. This is incredible. There isn't like a a list of tasks that you have to do. There wasn't a promotion that you were waiting on in order to enter in to the presence of God. You don't need to be in the, the top 10 and work your way up to that. You actually get to be last place. You actually are kind of in last place. We get to be sinners who have rejected God, his creation, have been selfish. We get to be disrespectful kids who have become selfish and turned away from God. And he, because of Jesus, we get an invitation to the party with God. This is absolutely incredible. I I don't want us to just glance over this because this is really what the book of Hebrews is encouraging these people with. The whole book is saying we get the opportunity to do this. Jesus has made a way. And, uh, and, and that's not it. So he says we get to do this. 
We also get this opportunity to have our hearts sprinkled, cleansed from a guilty conscience. You may think, uh, have you ever been in a situation where someone says, hey, we're good people here, right? This, this happens sometimes with family. We're together and you think, I'm glad I'm in this family. We're good people. And even in saying, yeah, Drew, you're a good person, there's like a hesitation there. Or there's like a moment at the end where I kind of drift off thinking, oh, that's, yeah. But there's like, that is a thing that, not everyone knows that I think about or that I've done or, or, or way back that still kind of haunts me. I, that can hold us right in thinking, I can't draw near to God because of this. And we're reminded here because of the work of Jesus, you have an invitation and you walk up to the door and you hear the party going on and they open the door and they, they don't say, oh, I know those things. They say, oh, Jesus did the work. He gave you an invitation, you're in, come in and gather. This is great news. And it's great news because not only do we get to draw near to God, but we also get this call to let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. This is a continuation of the same call we've had throughout the whole book of Hebrews to hold on to that. Not only do we get to draw close to God, but then we get to hold on to him as our anchor. We hear this phrase anchor early, don't drift away. We get this opportunity as we enter to not just enter, but then we get to hold there. We get to hold on to him and not move. We, we get an anchor that's not gonna blow us around, that's not gonna cause us to drift. We're reminded here, for he who promised is faithful, we get a reminder that faithfulness, the most faithful of all is this God and he allows us to draw near and then allows us to hold on and stay there. It's not just a momentary. It's not a party that we just quick hop into on the way to another party or another event. This is, we get to stay in this family. And then lastly, we get this interesting passage that isn't just about us entering into relationship and presence with God, but reminds us that when we enter in there, that we're not the only people at the party. It isn't a coffee date with Jesus, which is, I assume, a book title. And if not, I claim it. I'm gonna write that book, Coffee Dates with Jesus. I'll make millions. The, it's gonna remind us that of this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. It reminds us, it's just assuming that we're entering into the presence of God and we're doing it together. I think I can sometimes think I'm going to the party and it's just the few of us. But you know what? We have a lot of food because a lot of people are coming. And once we're there, we get the opportunity to not just draw into the presence of God, be close and hold, but we get to do that together. And in fact, not that we get to do that together, but it seems that that is what we're designed for. It's actually part of the, the way that this works is holding on to Jesus isn't just a one-on-one, a, -on -one, a solo act. It reminds me of um, a quote um, from Life Together. This, is, uh, this book is one that I'll read. It's very short, if that encourages you to want to read a book. And uh, it's by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you're not familiar, he was, um, he was one of the people actually tried to, uh, was part of the resistance during World War II. He resisted the Nazis and he eventually was killed uh, for his faith and work in that and writes these, uh, this incredible book called Life Together that encourages us to consider that being part of the faith, part of the Christian church means we're actually uh, like following Jesus together. We use that phrase, or I use that phrase a lot here, um, at our church because it really kind of encompasses what we do. We're following Jesus and we're doing it 
together. It's not just a one-on-one. I don't just go like to a, um, a spot in my house every morning and open my Bible, and that's like my one interaction. It's actually this, this body, this family that does it together. And he says this incredible thing in there that, that has really uh, rung true to me. The Christ in his own heart, just talking about people in the church, the Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain. His brother's is sure. Let me say this again. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain. His brother's is sure. This is from a man who had to make decisions in his life with fellow believers in his little church that was hiding underground from Nazis to uh, if they were going to continue faithfully following Jesus or if they were going to turn their ministry over uh, to the state to run, which would mean it wasn't, wouldn't be a Christ-centered ministry at all. And so he's sharing the importance of having family when you're uncertain to speak truth to you. And in my life, I found this incredibly true. How often am I in a moment that I am blinded or I don't see something or I'm really being deceived or, or believing a lie, just the own sin in me makes it really hard to remember the gospel, to remember that Christ has done the work, that I get to go to the party. I just think, I know a lot of reasons I don't get to go. There's no way they want me there. Or I feel like I'm there and they really want me to leave. And I need a family member to come over and say, hey, remember how good it is that Jesus made this possible for us to be here? how good it is that we need one another to assure us of the gospel. So often in ourselves, we are quite unsure. I, I feel this often like in a uh, small group time, we're talking and someone's just sharing how, something hard at that moment. And they say something that's very untrue about themselves. And, and I get to say, that's not true. You're very loved. We love you and Jesus loves you so much more. They go, oh, I needed to hear that. They go, you knew that. But, but you needed us. You needed us to spur you on, to remind you of that so that we get to be people uh, that move towards love and good deeds, so that we get filled with the presence of God as we're with God, that we hold on to him, and then from that we overflow these love and good deeds. Now the passage goes on and it gets uh, less party-like. It actually gets kind of sad. It says uh, a warning here. Now the author of Hebrews has, has given us multiple warnings. He often encourages us with this great work Jesus has done and that we get to hold on to that, that we don't have to rely on religion or our, our own works. And then he says, be careful though, because you might be tempted to turn away from that. And this is what he does again. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. There's some party language, huh? Oh my goodness. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the son of God underfoot? Who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them? Who has insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I turned real quick. Huh? We hear this 
Jesus has done the work. We get to be with our God and hold on to him and we get to encourage one another to love and do do great things and bring the good news. But friends, if we continue to turn away, if, if, if we don't even show up at the party, if we leave and say, this is hard, parties aren't always fun, right? There's the awkward guy, or maybe you're the awkward guy, right? There's, a, there's things that happen that as the family gets together, it can be hard, and, and you might suffer, and you say, I don't know if this is what I want. And then we turn in, and look at this language that we're hearing in, in 29. It's as if we have uh, trampled on the Son of God as if we've treated this unholy thing, the blood of the covenant, as if we've treated this as a joke. This is the one that really hit me this week. We've insulted the spirit of grace. The one who's come to give us this gift, you don't deserve your invitation, but I give it to you. And you say, ah, how how could we do that? We've insulted the spirit of grace. And then we hear the phrase at the end, it is dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. It's interesting because now we're saying you're gonna be, you're drawing near to God. Before that seemed incredible, right? That seemed amazing. And now it's dreadful to be near this God. It's because you've almost tried to climb in a window, right? You tried to break in the back door. You've tried your own way of entering into this family and it doesn't work. And so now the owner of the house has grabbed you and said, what are you doing here? You, ha- you don't have the invitation. You- you're trying this on your own. That's a different situation. And so the author is giving us these, these, these two pictures, right? He's saying, one of these you believe in the work of Jesus and enter into that loving, gracious family. And one is you you work real hard and ultimately you're really just inviting yourself to your own funeral. And so he he, uh, um, elaborates a little bit why this might be happening. This is really, I think, fitting for us always, but maybe for you today. He says, remember those early days after you had received the light? Remember when you did enter into this, remember you become part of the family when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering? Remember when we've been suffering? He's talking to a group of Jewish Christians, we believe, and they've probably really been hurt. They've been persecuted. He's going to make kind of a list here of things that happen. Sometimes you are publicly exposed to insult and persecution. Publicly, like people around you know that you're this person who follows Jesus and you've been hurt for that with, with words or maybe even actually suffered physically. At other times you were stood side by side with those who were so treated. You've watched your fellow family be treated that way. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. You've had your things taken from you because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So you'd all this happen because you knew of the day that was coming. You knew that right now we still have the effects of sin, but one day Jesus would take care of it. You knew that being part of the family meant right now we might suffer, but God one day will make things right. And so you were able to suffer through those. So do not throw away your confidence. Don't throw away that confidence. It will be richly rewarded. He's trying to remind them, I know you're suffering and I know you've held on to Jesus, but I also know that you're getting weary and you want to say, maybe this isn't true. This is getting hard. 
This is getting very unpopular. This might cost me something. He's saying you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. We need to continue holding on and we need one another to do that. And as he ends the passage, uh, he quotes some Old Testament for, in just a little while, he who is coming, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteousness, my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. Now listen to this, I love this statement. He, he makes a statement here. He's not gonna ask you a question. Hey, which one do you wanna be? Do, do you, want, you wanna walk towards your funeral? Do you wanna walk towards the party with the family? He says, but we do not belong to those who shrink, shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. This is, this is a phrase that is the author is today, back then and today, speaking to you a word that should spur you on. That spur is actually even like a, the word actually means provoke. It's like, just keep at it with you. He's reminding us, friends, we aren't though. We're not the people who shrink back and are destroyed. We're the ones who have faith, who put our faith in Christ's work and we're the ones who are saved. I love he doesn't ask us a question. He just reminds us of that. So my encouragement today to us is I, I have been asking people this week and remembering in my own life, what are some of the things that have helped me spur others on? Not really even me, but what has helped me to be spurred on towards love? What has helped me to remind me that I may be suffering now, this may be hard, I may be uh, dealing with the effects of sin, but there is a day coming and the gospel is good and is true and is right. And Jesus is, is my savior. And so what are some ways that I've seen this happen in my own life? This has happened for me in, in a small group here at our church. It's happened with just friends who, who do this well for me. This doesn't necessarily need to happen actually in person, in person. It's very nice to happen in person. Um, this has happened in lots of ways. And so I, I, uh, I, I tried to think of a way to make people remember it. So I thought of car, because it's a word with three letters. So car, everybody. We're gonna drive ourselves to spurn each other on. I don't know. Maybe that'll help you. <laughs> the first one, though, that I found very helpful in my life, and I think is really important, it's actually really important, it's unique to Christian fellowship, to gospel community, is that we meet and we can confess that we don't know what we're doing. How many other communities do you get to meet and say, hey, everybody, I don't know what I'm doing. And everyone else goes, me too. <laughs> do you ever go to a meeting at work? You get to do that? You walk in the meeting. Hey, you're in charge of the meeting today. Cool. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> maybe, maybe during COVID that's happened more often. <laughs> we get to confess our sin because that then highlights the work of Jesus. We get to enter into each other's lives and say, I'm broken and I, and I don't know what to do. And then we get to help each other and remind each other, hey, that's okay. Jesus has done the work. Now let's help you believe the gospel and change that around. But it has to start with this, this confessing together. Otherwise we meet and just say, how's everyone doing? Good. I'm do Everything's pretty great. Here's some ways I'm awesome. And you're awesome too. It's awesome. Hey, we're all great. And then we get to go home. Hey, we're awesome. And I never actually shared that thing that's like deeply affecting me. One of the things that's helped me in this is remembering that I can confess because Jesus uh, is not the God who says, get up here. He's not the God who says, hey, what are you doing? Come on, hurry up. Get up this ladder and join me in my glory. 
But instead of being the God who calls us to climb the ladder, he's a God who comes to us at the end of our rope. Instead of saying, come on up, hurry up, get your act together, he says, I'm coming. I I, I know you're dying. I'm coming for you. And, And if we gather together, we can actually encourage each other by reminding us of this. I'm not gathering to give you tips on how to be a better person. I'm gathering to remind you of the goodness of the work that Jesus has done. The second thing we get to do when we gather together, or one of the things, there's many things, but just the car is just for today, um, the A in car, um, is that we get to affirm our Imago Dei. Imago Dei just means our image of God. We get to affirm that God created us, that we bear his image, that we get to kind of be like statues are, um, around us, things that don't, aren't actually the thing, but they represent a thing. So people can look to us and say, wow, I see compassion and kindness in you. Remember from last week, we get to clothe ourselves in Jesus. We get to see, people get to experience forgiveness. And we not only get to do that, but we can affirm that in each other. We get to spur each other on by meeting and saying, hey, you, your compassion reminds me of Christ. You have Christ-like compassion in you. If you've ever had that happen to you, someone says, the way you care for me like, points me to Jesus. That, that spurs me to want to love and do good things. In Jesus, it actually reminds me of the gospel. We get to remind you of the gospel by saying, I see the gospel playing out in you. If you, if you were um, watching the volunteer video, Davis, right in the beginning, the guy with two heads, uh, <laughs> He says, anytime we serve, we get to like bear the image of Jesus because Jesus came to serve. And so I think we get the opportunity not only to confess, but then we also get the opportunity to encourage one another by affirming where we see Christ in each other, which is a, a cool thing. Often you get to do this. I think for, uh, personally for myself, this sometimes is hard, um, especially like as a parent, what a, what a gift this can be to affirm the Imago Dei in a friend, in a a kid. And lastly, the R in car is repeat, being together. That might seem obvious. In the passage, it actually says, don't neglect meeting together. I don't think that means, for the context of the people, it doesn't mean like keep having worship services in person. That passage has been used a lot actually lately in the last year um, as the passage says, see, we have to keep meeting in person. It, It just, I think it just means you still have to continue to have fellowship. You still need to have gospel connection. That might be on Zoom, right? But you still need to be together, seeing each other. We can't just from like a distance, like lob, hey, everybody, you're showing compassion like Jesus. We need to find a way to see each other. Last week, um, it, it was like such a joy just to be in the room together. As everyone came in, it like we clogged up the thing. We couldn't start the service because everybody was not social distancing. <laughs> and... Uh, it was like hugging and things. And, um, and uh, I remember seeing some of you and afterwards talking to someone and I said, any hostility I thought someone might have had just because of like, whether it's a, a string of emails during COVID, we didn't see each other in person, we were trying to work through something. The second I saw someone in person, like I couldn't even see your face, right? I just see you. It's like all these things melt away and I go like, oh yeah, you're like, you're like a person who I love, who I get to worship Jesus with. It's so different. And so there's an element of like repeating 
this being together that is so vital that we can't rely on a community that we don't know, that maybe is easy to access on a phone, but we can rely on a community that's here that knows us because we've confessed and we've affirmed together. I, I just can't encourage us enough with this. How does that look in your life? And so we're gonna take some time to uh, reflect and to worship Jesus now as our, our worship team comes back up. And what I wanna just encourage you with a few things to consider here in the next moment before we start singing together. Did you know that Jesus has made all the preparations for us to be near God? That might be, you might think, oh yeah, yeah, of course, that's why I'm here. Or maybe you just need to sit for a moment and like, do I actually believe that? What holds you back from coming to the party? Is it, have you just decided I've done enough stuff, they don't want me there? What is it that holds you back? Who, who spurs you on to love and good deeds? Who are the people in your life? Who are the ones who, who uh, you can confess to that you feel like affirm you, that, that you go to to remind you to hold on to the gospel? And this week, friends, we get to be people who also stir up the gospel in people, right? If there's a glass, like we're making some uh, hot chocolate, right? And you put the powder in and the water in or the milk, whatever you do it, right? And it just sits there. The glass can't stir itself. That'd be That'd be scary. <laughs> but someone else, right, comes and stirs it up and you have tasty hot chocolate. How, how can we be someone who gets to stir someone up this week in the gospel? That's a, you could wake up, the, just wake up this whole week and just ask that question. Today, who am I going to stir up? Who am I going to spur on in the gospel? Let me pray this for us and then we'll, we'll sing together. Lord, thank you for your goodness um, towards us that you would draw us near even when we're sinners, that you love us, that you don't yell down from heaven, get up here, hurry up. But you come to us and rescue us and pull us out of the muck, our brokenness. And not only that, you invite us to your family. I pray we would draw near, we would hold on and we would be those who spur one another on to believe the gospel and to overflow that gospel to our world, to our neighbors. We love you. As we, as we sing these words, let these gospel words ring in our hearts and remind us of how good you are. Cause us to sing out um, of your goodness. Amen.